0: I'm Nana.
1: And I'm Bonkio. And this is African.American.
0: This is a show about immigrants and children of African immigrants living in the United States. So what are we talking about today?
1: We are talking about the experiences of Africans who come to the U.S. uh, as adults to study, to live, and then gone back. Um, So... (laughs) (laughs) Don't say it like that. <laughs> I think I'm back. Um, so today we have a lovely guest. Uh, maybe we can start off with the first question of, hello, guests. what is your name? Hi, I'm Lucia. Great, and welcome you, Lucia. How do you identify in terms of racial slash ethnic background?
2: I identify as a Black a uh, Zimbabwean woman.
0: Interesting. <laughs> you want it, to okay. say?
2: You, you want me to say what I, what I thought about? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. At, at Wolsey, Welles, at I was African. At Wolsey, I found I was African. And then when I was in Ubers in Pittsburgh, I was from London. But that's another.
1: That's a whole other story. Mhm. So. See, that's, yeah, that's interesting that you said you found out you were African when you went to an American institution, but we'll ask about that a little bit more. I guess my follow up to just knowing you're from Zimbabwe, if you could talk a little bit about what it means to be black in the Zimbabwe context, because it is one of the African countries that has sort of that history of like white colonizer settlers versus the black Africans. Yeah. Um, I think South Africa, obviously, is like the one, the other one that really comes to mind for folk. But to just talk about that a little bit.
2: Right. Yeah, sure. So Zimbabwe is a settler colony or was a settler colony, um, a place where people actually came and settled from where they were coming from. So we have people mainly from the United Kingdom, but you'll find, uh, you know, Greek, uh, Eastern European, a little bit of Eastern European, you'll find, you know, all sorts of people. But yeah, we were a settler colony. I think in terms of being black, I think more people would classify when you were born in relation to the liberation of the country and like the country's independence. So my generation of people born after 1980 are usually called the born freeze, you know, meaning that you were born in a free country uh, versus people who were born in the colony before, like born in Rhodesia, like my parents, for example, etc. So, yeah, I think think there's more of that rather than, you know, am I... Black. I don't know. And I think for the born freeze, I think you'd think of yourself as black before you think of yourself as African, because that just in terms of the language is not used, I guess. So I would say I was black. I didn't start saying I was African until I got to Wellesley. And that's not because you're not African. Obviously, you are a person from Africa. But I think just in terms of yeah, the identity, seeing each other, you know, you're black, you're white. Your mixed race, which we still call coloured, in Zim, so that's a different thing too. Mixed race people are not black people in the way that that term is a construct for people in the states because of the history and and the sort of political like context of
1: it. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. I don't think Mugabe like ended up getting all the white people out of Zimbabwe. So our whites, <laughs> I don't know how to phrase it. I know that there was some time when he was trying to get the white yeah. farmers to so move still, off of their land and so are they considered African in Zimbabwe I would assume so because that's where they're from
2: I would say that the terminology is not as fraught as it is in the U.S. context of someone white saying I'm African you know there isn't it's it's not as loaded I don't even think loaded is the word but it's not just as fraught as saying you know yeah you know someone could come up and they have a Zimbabwean passport that I don't think anyone would have any qualms with that. We're all Zimbabwean, we're all not as much of a rainbow nation as the sort of PR of South Africa really hypes on, but yeah, but definitely, you know, different ethnicities, different
0: races, and and that's fine. What is the level of interaction between the kind of the whites, the mixed race, the other races, Blacks within Zimbabwe when you're growing up? It seems you all are united oh, at, under the the Zimbabwean national identity. Within it, what was the level of interaction? I think also when I was
2: growing up is is a little bit more different to right now at the moment, mm. just because the political landscape has shifted, and it's not so much the political. I, I would say the socio economic landscape as well, like the socio political. Shifts have been happening, right? So I would say when my parents were growing up, there was definitely, I, when they were young or like, you know, at uni and, and before, you you could definitely see neighborhoods, for example, in the capital city of Harare, mm-hmm. segregated according to race, you know, where people lived. Mm-hmm. I would say now then in my time, it was more an economic It was chiefly an economic segregation Mm -hmm. rather than purely racial lines, even though there are some neighborhoods that are still largely like mixed race neighborhoods uh, or you have, you know, areas where the Indian people live, you know. But but by and large in the sort of northern leafy suburbs that would have formerly been all white, there isn't anywhere where you won't see a black person, I
1: -hmm. don't think.
2: And unless it's some sort of, it's not segregated in that way, unless it's like a social thing, obviously, you know, you can have a social gathering where it's obviously like all white people or whatever. So I would say spaces are segregated mainly according to economics. Mm. When I was coming into school, for example, I went to, you know, prestigious private schools. You know, there were white people, I had white classmates, there were, you know, students there, there were Indian students. And Mm. But by the time I got to my last year of high school, there was definitely more black students there, as a lot of people in general had left the country or, you know, emigrated to other countries uh, and stuff. So so I think my high school now is probably more mostly black,
0: I think. Why did you choose uh, to come to the United States for school?
2: Yeah, well, at the time, um, I left in, this is 2007 is when I started at Wellesley. So it was a combination of the liberal arts and science model gives you the flexibility of being able to declare what you want to study a bit later. But also these institutions have the financial backing to be able to you know, give you a full ride or provide some scholarship money um, for you to go. Uh, so that was really the the combination of what led me to to the states. And then my uh, the the careers counselor or the well not the careers counselor but the education officer who advised me was suggested Wellesley. Wellesley wasn't initially on my list, mm. um, but as a as a great match, you know, to my high school that had much the same traits for, like, you know, type A people. Uh, <laughs> type, type, a, type A, high, high
0: you know, high-achieving women, because I went to uh, an all-women um, an all girls school. <laughs> mm, I, I would object for myself. I don't know about Bunkio. Bunkio? Mm.
1: I am not type A. <laughs> mm.
0: No, it's
2: so true, though. No, I think everyone... Uh, uh, I don't know. Everyone I met at Wellesley has a little bit of that in them. I can, I can see how...
1: That's a thing. All right. I I like to call it, uh, my sister calls it liking to be in control. You like to be in control.
0: I think it
1: is just trying to be, yes, high achieving, trying to be organized, and having logic to the things that you do.
0: This is how I say it. But we we like to be nurtured, and we like to also nurture.
1: That's, that's nothing
0: to do with me in Taipei. Yeah, no. That, so somebody has actually asked me that before, that what is what is a common thread amongst most yeah, students? And I could not say a, it. I could not say it. So you just so translated
1: I said ministrare non Okay,
0: maybe... <laughs> uh,
1: for those of you who don't maybe know... Maybe instead well,
2: of Taipei, like I would say driven, driven... <laughs>
1: Or driven women. Driven women. Yeah. For people who don't know, Wellesley's Latin monic—I don't know what we call that. It's like "sed ministr." I don't know Latin, but "sed ministrare" non ministrare it means like not to be served but to serve. Um, so Nana basically just kind of translated that into English and said that that's what most <laughs> people are.
0: Well, is uh, that truth At least for me shoot yeah i mean
1: yes it is obviously but you know type a i think has a certain connotation in our society especially when attached to women in particular so that's why i think i say oh i object but yes no i like to be in control i like to nurture i like to be nurtured i don't i like to be served (laughs) so i objected that part of the wealthy love but i also Like the idea of serving. So there we go.
0: Yeah. Or what do you remember was the hardest aspect of integrating into American life um, when you came to college? Or did you feel like you had to integrate when you came to college? When did you actually integrate into American life?
2: When did I integrate into it? Nana.
0: Wait. (laughs) Well, it's its own bubble. So sometimes, you know, you can. Well, it is its own
2: bubble. It is its own bubble, actually. And and I think I would, I think I would preface, yeah, I think I would begin by by sort of, you know, prefacing all the answers with that. That was my sort of primary experience of of America was through the the Wellesley bubble, right? For the first four years of my almost decade long immersion.
1: Mm-hmm. That's intense. You <laughs> can call it that.
2: And <laughs> very um, misleading.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, first of all, it's a women's college. So, you know, then we start going off from there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, it's the one, yeah. So, well, I think one of the most striking things once I was in the States was the culture of, of waste, you know, the lifestyle, which I would say like waste. And maybe this is like waste slash excess, you know,
1: um,
2: of, of even just, you know, the fact that, okay, let's say, you know, shopping for, you know, dorm room stuff and, and you, I remember like trying to choose a pillow, like, I'm going to get a pillow, okay? There's like <laughs> a thousand pillows, like what type of pillow? What? Like, you know, you're shopping for, you know, there's just like so much of everything. And then in the cafeteria it's like you want bread there's like six types of bread it's like you know eight types of milk um you know which isn't yeah which isn't bad in itself but I, I just remember I also remember actually working in the dishroom I used to feel so bad about like not finishing my food because you know at home it was always this thing of like don't waste food you know you know not necessarily finish what's on your plate but just don't just like don't waste food and, and just don't waste in general. So I kind of really kind of felt like bad about that until one night I was in the dishroom, I was on pots and pans. And when the night was over, like when dinner service was over, I remember um, they just got the pots of like soup and the like trays of lasagna or whatever out of the, the warmers and just, chuck them down the drain. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, Oh my god, food like, safety. Perfectly okay food. Like and then I just kind of didn't feel I guess bad about it. It was just it was definitely a gear change of just okay, this is just a sort of a culture of excess, I think. And um and and yeah, and I think it's just a lifestyle thing. But I would notice, you know, if I was, you know, I I just even little things like always having my AC on, you know, in the summertime, or if I was driving in Pittsburgh versus when I was driving at home, I never had the AC on, you know, because that that uses more fuel. And, you know, just stuff like that, just little things like that. Or or, or even just the Amazon packages you get, you know, and everything's like a big box for a little thing. And, you know, they could have put, you know, maybe two things in like the one box or whatever, you know. And I remember being back home, and driving past in the city center outside one of the big wholesalers uh, in the central business district. And people were actually lining up waiting to get the boxes, you know, that will have contained the goods. And there was just this queue of people outside, like waiting to get those boxes to obviously reuse them for whatever they use them for, you know, whether they're like small scale vendors needing to carry stuff. So it's like,
0: Yeah. Can you describe your friend group in the United, in the U.S.? Your friend group uh, at Wallsley, your friend group outside of Wellesley, And what was the common thread
1: amongst the people? They were wasteful. (laughs) No, it's it's important to get called out on these things. Touche. It's just, I'm still like reeling from that because it's so accurate. And it's something that we as Americans don't. We think about it, but we don't think about it. So it's interesting to hear someone else being like, man, y'all just waste everything. It's like, yeah, we kind of do. So thank you for that.
2: Uh, At Wellesley, it was mostly, I think it was mostly international students and then actually mostly people in Wellesley African Students Association. I was going to say African international students. Then I remembered we had Steph in there. Mm. She was Chinese-American. (laughs) <laughs> uh we interviewed Steph this um, year, so <laughs> I know. We had Stefan there. Um, you know, I really had a really good friend from Bangladesh, you know, and we were sweet mates in our in my senior year. So but I think the, the common thread would have been mostly international and mostly mostly people in that in that association. Why
1: do you think that was and, the
2: case? Yeah, I think it's I think it was um you have common ground, but actually more than anything, really, the that people really stalked me out my first year. They really were. I remember she was just coming and being like, yes, you know, you, they really like sought me out and welcomed me in. And that's like what you need. Right. And I think it was that aspect of it more than just the fact that these are other African students you know, from other African countries. It was actually, it, it was still a pretty international experience because I remember Halima writing to me. She was my sort of big sister, right? When you, when you come in and you kind of have someone who's mentoring you a little bit, you know, you know, someone to kind of hold your hand a little bit in that first semester. And so I remember her writing me an email once I'd gotten accepted, and I'd accepted um, the offer to come to Wellesley. And... She, uh she was from Niger, you know. And I remember thinking like I don't even know where Niger is, okay, on the continent, but like amazing, you know. So I think it was really just the fact that they 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 sought me out and it was a home. It was a home and a space to be at home at, you know, on mm-hmm. campus. Um, yeah, and then and then, you know, Slater International as a as a larger subset of that. I would say Once I got to grad school, um, you know, grad school was a bit different. I feel like Wellesley had more or the undergraduate experience had more of that community aspect. Mm -hmm. Uh, Partly also because of the way you're living, right? You're in this dorm setting, you're eating meals together, you know, you're taking some classes together. Um, My class was really small too, my grad class. so. I think of grad school as more, they were more like professional connections in a way, rather than actual friends. People I think of as my close friends, who I think are still from the, who are today still from the Wellesley gang, you know, people I met at Wellesley, so. Yeah, yeah.
1: I think I agree with that. Um, I remember that, my first, oh, yeah. sorry. No, I was just gonna say, just yeah. connect, in connection to what you were saying, my first semester in grad school was rough because I think I thought it would be Wellesley Part two, but my cohort was five people, and that was kind of it. It was a big university, too. It was like 50,000 students, um, and me and a lot of my really close Wellesley friends were messaging each other that first semester. We were all in different grad programs of being like, what? what? School yeah. is not supposed to be like this. It's supposed to be the sisterhood of the traveling pants and blah, 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 blah. So, yes. My
2: program had five people, too. <laughs> In, it's rough in a, when just in a larger uni, <laughs> when it's, those it's are
1: the rough. People you're it supposed to rough be closest to, to. <laughs> you're just like,
2: uh,
1: uh. and I actually and sought I out the Africans there, as well. Solitary, so, you
2: know, and in, in, in the like a lot of the work you're doing kind of on your own as well. So,
1: exactly, you're
2: not you don't have as much contact time with people, but yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I even saw- I out African students and um, it was just creepy because I was like the older graduate girl. I did make friends, but it just wasn't the same because it was like, girl, what are you doing here? Like, (laughs) we...
0: (laughs) <laughs> I'm telling you, it's because yeah, we like to be nurtured, and these schools don't. I I remember I had the same experience, but I did. I had more than more than what a hundred people <laughs> around oh me, gosh. and I still had the yeah. same issue. <laughs> and it's because yeah. I I don't know what what it is about that school, but <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> I, remember
2: to, I remember going to. I remember going to. So so talking about different associations. I did actually go to the ESO meeting, and I remember introducing myself. So it, it was a case of where the head had been really, um, I used to see her, we used to, just in passing, and she invited me to the meeting. And so I went, and um, it was really interesting because I said, you know, you had to introduce yourself. I said, I'm from Zimbabwe, and then it was just, it was just like really weird.
0: Why did you feel weird? And,
2: and that's fine too. No, I didn't feel weird. The mm. reception was weird. It was a, it had been a weird reception. But mm. I found, yeah, I, I think this is a larger conversation on how a lot of time, like, you know, Africa tends to be this uh, sometimes in the sort of popular discourse of the college experience, <laughs> because I'm, you know, we have to recognize that was my frame of reference, right? Mm-hmm. We always felt like, uh, you know, Africa was the homeland or like where we, you know, something like far off that people had like descended from maybe, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember saying like, I didn't, dis- like I'm still there. <laughs> like I haven't descended. You yeah, know? I love that. <laughs> I have say, I'm still there. And
1: yeah. it's uh,
2: more sort of, I think Wassa was just a place where we're just recognizing the sort of, you know, cosmopolitan nature of, a lot of the places that we come from and there's like less explaining to do
1: yeah for those who don't know just going to say was i guess we should reference wasa as the wellesley is the, basically the african students association and ethos was the black student union we've talked about it in different seasons but just to give that context so wasa was mainly African international students, I would say, and I know different schools have different makeups. Um, so like my grad school, a lot of the people in the African Student Association were actually first gens like me, which was also a culture shock of sorts. Cause it was like, you know, coming from Wellesley and having interacting with people who have firsthand connection to the home motherland Homeland, mama land, whatever we want to call it, um, to being full of people like me who, who like imitate their parents' accents and stuff um, was different. Uh, and then ethos was, I guess, largely, it was the Black Student Union, but it was mainly a, a, the organization for African American students. And then we also had one for people of Caribbean, Caribbean descent. Caribbean descent, yeah. Caribbean descent, but just to give that lay of the land and people kind of join things based on their affiliation. I think what you said about um, reaching out was really important as well, because I would say, i want to give pat on the back to people of my year because um, we were very excited. And I think that that helped because how we treated the people who were first years, like non's generation and onward, I think, I think that helps set the pace. It wasn't, I didn't necessarily get that reception before and it might have been just because the numbers were really small it's also about numbers i don't know if we had as many african and international students um before as we did in subsequent generations but for me the ethos the black student union they wrote to me they gave me a checklist of things that i should buy same year we also had pre-orientation and the college scrapped that but that's a whole nother thing (laughs) so i (laughs) got to you know my identity as a Black person was already kind of cemented even before I came because those were the people who reached out to me.
2: Mm-hmm. Right, right. And I remember by the time I was a senior and my, you know, people in my year were now in the leadership of of Ethos who actually, interestingly enough, it was someone who was Ghanaian-American and who mm-hmm. had been kind of welcomed into WASA in the sense of, hey, you belong here too. This is part of your identity, like, um, you know, open arms. And I remember her saying to me, I, I felt very differently by that time, but I remember her saying to me, hey, this is your house too. And uh, This was referring to Harambe House, which is where Ethos met. Um, WASA used to have its meetings at the International Student House And, and I just, I just always remember that. And that, that was, yeah, it was really meaningful. Yeah. So it is all about at the end of the day, I think it's all about, you know, those, those open arms and who's reaching out.
0: What was your perception of American society before you arrived in the U S of kind of black Americans and other minorities and and minority groups within the U S and how did that change over the course of the 10 years you were here?
2: yeah I would say um, my a lot of my perception was shaped by by film and literature, and so growing up i you know i watched okay well, let me start off by saying I think the one of the big differences was I was aware of like black and white and one of the huge um, surprises Ooh, getting to Wolsey was like how many like what a huge Asian like community like Asian American community there is and I thought mm. and I was thinking to myself why that was and I, and I and then I thought oh that's actually I didn't see that representation in film um, because I grew up watching you know we all grew up watching like Beverly Hills nine o nine, nine you know nine
0: Another uh, number. <laughs> <on over>, yeah. <laughs>
2: 90210 nine, nine, okay. You know, I remember Saved by the Bell. I remember watching, okay, Star Trek. I remember watching, Um, but I also grew up, we also grew up with like Martin and Living Single and uh, Fresh Prince. Yeah. You know, the golden era, really. Um, so that's that was what was, you know, kind of in my head, I guess. And um, I read also, you know, we'd read like To Kill a Mockingbird in school. And um, I read a lot of Toni Morrison as well, um, you know, towards the end of my high school. Um, so that was, I was. I, I was really aware of, of of that also because I guess countries that have had similar sort of black-white struggles like racial tension and um, kind of liberation of sorts. Um, I remember also having watched Roots quite a bit Ooh. in Zim. Yeah, they used to broadcast Roots. Um, I will also say actually that Especially in my sort of high school, like post two thousand, you know, because I'm talking about like living single, fresh prints and everything. You know, my parents didn't have like my parents wouldn't get us cable because they were they were academics, so we're like, we're not investing in TV. So I literally had the <laughs> subway had like one one national like T V station. So that's all I had. Okay, that's all I had. Um and and they were showing roots, actually they were showing roots quite a lot which was also kind of um, because this whole political thing had started of um, sort of tapping into those narratives, I would say, of uh, like black liberation and black sort of, yeah, black liberation, you know. Anyway, so I remember at at, at Wellesley when Lavar Burton came to speak and Um, I was so excited. Yeah. 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 We had Harry Belafonte also came when I was a sophomore, I think. What? Yeah. You know,
1: got, we got Ann Coulter and Phyllis Schlafly. That's who we <laughs> <laughs> That's who we had when I was there, but I digress. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. So I remember when he came
2: and they said, um, and he was introduced as a guy on Reading ra- from Reading Rainbow, and I was like, "What?" But this is Kinte Kinte, like they didn't say anything about this. And then I was like, but what what? How about Robert?" And then and then and the girl, um, this, friend, this friend, this same friend who became head of EVA's was like, "I oh, know people haven't like watched a lot of people haven't watched that," and it just blew my mind. Like I thought every if I, I thought like everyone would have watched that. You know what I mean? I, I still didn't. Idea.
1: Nana has. I, I still
2: didn't I, know. I think having grown up watching it or having watched it, it just it didn't cross my mind that there would be Americans who hadn't like watched it. You know what I mean in terms of it yeah. being broadcast and you know the same sort of thing. You know, and then the same way that I guess everyone could relate to the reading rainbow thing. I think it was called
1: Reading Rainbow. Yeah, yeah, you're anyway, right. You're absolutely correct. Yeah. And, um,
2: you know, anyway. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, Reading Rainbow is like a show for kids. And so that's why a lot more people were likely to have watched it. And then Roots was kind of old, right? Like it, was, it came out in the 70s. So people maybe 10, 15 years younger than um, myself would have watched it. Or yourself, maybe 20. I don't know. What, I, I don't know how the math works, but. If you were older, well, they would have seen it. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. I think I would. I think I thought, you know, like how everyone seems to have watched Gone with the Wind, you know, that kind of thing. Even though it was old, people have watched it
1: kind of. Yeah.
2: It I is. Get it. I get it now. I was a first year and I didn't get it, but I get it now.
1: <laughs> I will say that they there was ample opportunity because I watched it growing up because the History Channel, um, before it became. A channel about UFOs and aliens they used to have roots uh, running all the time and so I that's how I got to see it because I'm not old enough to have been alive when it first came out and was a thing but that's really interesting Um, how how someone um, you know with these American points of reference come in and then it's like, oh wait, I thought that this would be a big deal for y'all, but it's not. I thought, <laughs> um, yeah. but then you're also kind of prepared with certain things. Cause you did watch the Martins and the Fresh Princes and, um, those yeah. like important iconic nineties black shows. So that's
2: right. Right. And I think, um, I think the way it changed once I got to the U.S. is I think my, I I was also, I was a studio art major, but I did a lot of cinema and media studies stuff. So I was still watching a lot of film, but it was a different film, I guess. Um, You know, Spike Lee's film, When the Levees Broke, was so huge for me. Um, Watching that documentary and understanding Katrina's impact, and influenced my going to New Orleans on a volunteer project and influenced me deciding to be a studio art major. Um, so I think I think basically things got more nuanced once I was once I was there in terms of the types of films I was looking at and then I also read Isabel Wilkerson's Walker, The Warmth of Other Suns. Mm-hmm. This was after, but I think this was during grad school I think is when I read this I think but that that really blew me away it, it really struck me that oh no this book should be actually required reading I think for everyone in America it's a big
1: book <laughs> isn't it I, I, it's on my to read list but it's just so big yeah.
2: <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> yeah. it's it's just, I read it as a kindle so I, I wasn't yeah, yeah my understanding yeah, it, is
1: this like five six hundred pages so um but beautifully written. So
2: yeah, yeah, that was excellent. I think it got more like complex and and, and, and richer once I was getting sort of deeper in, into more sort of film and, and art. Um one huge thing, having grown up watching, you know, all these TV shows and you know, America is sort of the embodiment of, of cool, right? And mm-hmm. you know, popular culture etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So it was a huge shock, actually, once I arrived, how much of a, of a sort of anglophile bent the society is, <laughs> that people were just fascinated by my, you know, quasi British accent. Um, I was really, I was really taken aback by that, because it, that was just really surprising to me. But I think that remains a sort of common theme where people aren't really listening to what you're saying. But I mean, because, yeah, I remember, I remember, but I just, just love you. I, re- I remember, I remember, I was at, I was, I was trying to get the token machine wasn't working. The bus was coming. This was, this was at the campus. And I'm trying to get tokens. I'm like, you know, because you know the bus was on the schedule and everything. And I'm talking to this girl, and and she says, oh my gosh, I just love your accent, and I'm yeah. just like. <laughs> really? <laughs>
1: Americans have um, a thing for British accents. Um,
2: I was really yes. surprised by that. I was oh, really taken aback. I- what is it like for people who don't have,
1: you know, who
2: have different accents that are not, you know, quasi-British, you know? Um, That's hard. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. I think I've, I've said it before but I have a friend who is like Kenyan but he said uh, one day he like went shopping or something and left all of his, like basically he spent all his money and then he needed to get on the T, which is the Boston like train system and he he just pretended to be a confused British person and people oh paid his, he was <laughs> like, excuse me I seem to have lost my way, can you help me find my, I'm trying to get to whatever spray or whatever and people are like oh my gosh do you need help and he was like you know if I uh, didn't put that accent on they would have been like you you <laughs> know we know we do it excuse me can I have a dollar can I have a dollar can I you <laughs> got fifty cents spare some change the reaction would have been completely different it became a whole village trying to help this poor man with all his fancy bags oh, <laughs> oh,
2: goodness. Oh.
1: Well, this is
2: how i just this is how i just ended up i think this is how i just ended up being having this uber persona once uber arrived in pittsburgh of just yes i am from london just just go with it just yeah. just go with the flow <laughs> don't start explaining what 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 southern african country you're actually from It's hard Um, enough being a black person in America.
1: Get all the, you know, the perks that you can get.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is so wrong. wrong
1: It's not her fault if they perceive her to be one thing or the other. And I've talked about mine as well. I spent a semester in the UK and came back with a British accent. And people were very confused by it. But I think it helped me get my first job. I think it really laid my life. It really, I, and really and
0: how, it helps. It
1: helps, yeah. and it's it's it is what it is that you know that it is. Um, but I would say, uh, I guess the next question for us for you is now you're here. You you had this idea. It's now getting more complicated as you're like learning more about being in America, living in American society. Um but then I guess my, our, our next question is about you and how you think of yourself. So what and how you think of American society in terms of you in terms of blackness? So how did your concept of or what do you think is the biggest difference or understanding the biggest difference between blackness US side versus in Zimbabwe?
2: The biggest difference is like knowing, I think I became aware of of the black versus African thing and that, yeah unfortunately, in some situations it was i think you do have privilege in some like context when people perceive you to be an African person rather mm-hmm. than a black person black person meaning you know black of america um versus versus being african and um and i think and I think someone who was I think you'd experience the same thing in reverse if you were in a lot of African countries as well, yeah. um, you know, certainly in, in Zim, you would. And, and, you know, if so I remember being in, in Uganda on um, internship with uh, with a classmate and, and just experiencing that, it just helped sort of solidify that. Um, I think the, the biggest issue, I think the biggest issue for me was realizing that let's say at the end of my time, there are still people who kind of act like nothing's wrong with other <laughs> groups, just because you're not experiencing that thing. So yeah. I think I was really taken aback by friends who were white, for example, just because you don't experience something doesn't mean it isn't happening and it isn't happening to like other people, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And I don't think your reason, you know, you're not experiencing something shouldn't be the reason that makes you act like that thing doesn't exist or isn't Mm -hmm. happening. And I think that's my constant kind of bafflement, I think, with uh, would we say white America or just other groups sometimes maybe? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's, that's my sort of, Yeah, like bafflement with it because, um, you know, there are things I didn't get at the beginning that I totally get now. Now. Mm -hmm. Um, Things I didn't get the way they were. I mean, also Americans tend to just be more prone to voice you know, their disgruntlement or something, Mm. Mm. (laughs) then maybe a Zimbabwean would just take it, you know, take it, lying down kind of thing. Uh, You know, Americans are very forthright in their, you know, feelings about something, right? And if something's not right, which is is great. And I think different perspectives are, are like, valid, you know? And I think if we just made a better time of listening to each other and each other's, like, experiences of different things, I think it would take us a lot further. Do
1: you think that Uh, white and colored Zimbabweans are better able to be to have that like I think we're talking about empathy right to have Mm -hmm. that empathy that seems to be perhaps lacking on the American side and if so like why why do you think that is
2: I, I don't necessarily think they have more it's just different okay the racism is different it's different.
0: Prejudice it's it's is different. 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 different.
2: Give us an example, okay? So <laughs> that's that's initially initially you might come in to the states and be like, oh no, like you know the white folks are different here, and that's like great, but then you you start to understand and see things that you didn't see, you know, eight years earlier, basically, is what I'm saying it's just different. It's different. It's different, um, I think it was was different. Okay. It was different. Okay. For example, um, you know, I went to a school that, you know, you'd, you'd have people there, you can have someone who's there, who's white, who's lived, who's been born in them, but still cannot say people who have certain names, like non-English names, you know, you know, black names correctly.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But they won't attempt to even learn the pronunciation. You know, it's like and it and it was just it would just baffle me in high school because it was like it's actually harder to pronounce it the way you're pronouncing it, but I think you <laughs> just have this like mental block of not yeah. wanting to say the name properly. You know? And whereas in the States I'd get a lot of um okay, your name's you know, your name's Lucy, am I saying it correctly? How do I I pronounce your surname? You know, people seem like they want to know or attempt to even, I mean, the fact that you're attempting, the fact that you're even asking me how to say it is like just blows my mind, you know.
1: Um,
2: But that, you know, so it's just things are manifesting differently, but it doesn't mean that there's no issues, you know, and there's no Structural racism, for example. Um, Yeah. I mean, I just saw how, I mean, even, you know, at at college, there was that program that people, a friend of mine just described being in this program, like before orientation. Oh, yeah. I think it happened
1: as well. Yeah,
2: I did that. It's like, it's a little bit weird uh, because they're not taking everybody. <laughs> like, <laughs> all of somebody oh like god. it was kind of weird. Oh my god, kind of weird, kind of weird. I don't, uh, yeah, uh,
1: yeah, <laughs> I this it makes is, sense
2: outside outsiders okay. but
1: hearing you know, what you're saying, not wanting
2: to put my so college on blast. I love Welzy, but like I think, yeah, yeah, there they were just things that were a little bit weird and. You know, we're talking about the differences, right? So things Mm -hmm. that might not be apparent uh, immediately. Yeah, for me, it was just, yeah, 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 yeah. I think another difference was just the, um, I mean, this is a, it's a complex one, but initially I didn't understand it. Okay. I I just really didn't understand how we had the, there was the like excellence awards, you know, for people of color.
1: Was, that okay, was
0: This crazy. was before my Oh no, it wasn't there. But it oh, was
1: Oh, awards. it might have been my first year. I think I got an award for getting a three point five yeah. and they gave me like a bunch of gift certificates yeah. to like Victoria's Secret and yeah. other things. That was new though. That was relatively new. And I yeah. think it had to do yeah. with their research or whatever that they were doing. So
2: Yeah, that that that's what it was. And I think, for example, in the Zim context, there wouldn't be something like that, right? They wouldn't be It was, there there just wasn't anything like that where, you know, a group of people based on like skin color would suddenly have this like lower GPA excellence certificate that isn't the wider body's excellence certificate. But yeah, with time, I mean, these, these things are complex. Things are complex. I've just been listening to a podcast on, what is it called? Dear White Parents? No, good white parents.
1: Or Yeah, it? I think I've heard of that one. I've uh, heard about
2: Yeah, that just sort of lifted the lid on, you know, like the how education systems are going, <laughs> you know, using New York as example, um, which was just just blew my mind. Um, so it's it's complex and it's, it's it's pretty hectic. It's pretty hectic if you're but again, you're coming from that other like you're coming from a different context, basically, I think is what yeah. I'm saying with that.
1: Um and yeah yeah so hearing you talk I think some of the things that stand out to me is um, so when you're talking about the name thing I wonder how much of it and I wonder what you think Nance about of it is also about that African privilege because often I think that if you had an African American quote unquote name mm-hmm. Shaquanda Shaniqua I don't think people would have been as like, how do you say this? Oh, how do you pronounce it? There is a bit of an awe or quote unquote respect um, that people give for places of other cultures in America that they don't necessarily give to people in the US. I think I also see that sometimes with Asian names. People are not always um, kind about how to say people's names when they are Asian. Um, and then even I think in our area as well, um, I remember that was a big deal. At some graduation, I think at an HBCU, there were a lot of people with African names and people were not there was there was some there was some scuffle or fluffle because they weren't trying to, they were just like, oh no, whoa, whoa. <laughs> whatever. I remember that was a big thing that someone did that. A woman, someone did that when reading the names, and people were offended. Um, and wow. then to give context on that award, I think what they found was that even at our school, when you control for a level of income, the GPAs of students of color, Black and Latinx ones, were not were on average lower than white students and so the award was this band-aid way of trying to encourage black achievement or oh, black no. I, I, black and latinx achievement without oh, fixing structural yeah. issues right we'll without fixing that. the structural yeah. issues that <laughs> exactly
2: exactly that, yeah i mean that. i was i mean I did a Kappa over here. Okay. I'll oh, yeah, whatever. T- okay. Turn your Kappa. own on. <laughs> <laughs> Put a
1: rose in your nose. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean I, I, I use those gift certificates like, I, I don't know went, about the certificate. Oh, I didn't care about the certificate. I cared about <laughs> the gift certificate. Okay. Went me down to Yeah, the, the gift
2: good. The gift are good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it is We didn't have gift certificates
0: in our time, but yeah. Yeah, they didn't. I was just, I was like, did I? Maybe some people did. We had gifts. But it wasn't gift certificates.
1: I don't remember
0: a gift certificate. It wasn't gift certificate,
2: but it was like a gift, like it was, I remember like a nice like folder thing.
1: Oh girl, I don't even have that. (laughs) I just remember being like, so I'm going to the mall. Like my school just gave me money to go to, like it was, I remember there was a Victoria's Secret gift card was one of them. And I was like, this is very weird. Because y'all were giving me a Victoria's Secret gift card for having a 3.5 or above or whatever it what whatever the minimum is you need it wasn't 3. It, it was, was a 3.0. That yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, I, think
0: I think it's it's it's
1: new. What
0: or was it? It was a 3.0. I feel like I feel like anybody. Who, yeah.
1: <laughs> so anyone with like a, a B average without really it, digging yeah. into wow. the like structural issues that might cause someone oh to not be able to achieve in the same way as their um, white peers. So that is always, I don't know, it's been really interesting to hear someone else's perspective. But do want to acknowledge that like, we know that, yes, it's not just, I guess, now I'm getting my tongue all tangled Complex. It's complex. It yeah, is, it's it is. I mean, it's, yeah. it's typically affirmative action. Um, and um, I'm wondering, do they not have affirmative action in the Zimbabwe context?
2: No, I I don't think it would be in a setting where, you know, my high school, for example, you just, I don't think you would just, you would have something like that. But, but again, you you don't have the, it's not the same context, you know, it's not the same context. That was, that was another thing, actually a big thing. Uh, One one thing I forgot was uh, one of the biggest things was also coming from a place where you are a majority, part of Mm -hmm. a black majority, and going somewhere where I'm a minority racially for the first time, like in my life, in terms of the wider national context of a place. And that was very different too. I think I could understand things um, like at, you know, at home, for example, people will say like, Oh, you know, you know, people in like, you know, the white community, for example, are really good with like helping each other and, you know, networking and, you know black people don't you know help each other and I'm like oh, no I don't think it's that simple I I think when you're a minority in a place it is easier to to kind of have this like club you know in a way and I felt part of it which was really cool actually to be in this kind of unspoken part of this like black club which is really awesome actually you know I kind of miss that so that that was a significant
1: thing too Ten years I, later and you're still talking to people from that experience So sort of to show how long-lasting it is Although in the States, I will say, Black people do still say that White people help each other, Jewish people help each other Oh, there is that, yes Latino people help yes. each other, Africans say that too But yes. Look at the Ghanian, Ghanian We're, We're not doing that much,
0: yes yeah.
1: Nigerians do no, are helping each other <laughs> Yeah, yeah
2: that's true, but you definitely felt like yeah. I remember walking well and being you know someone nodding at me like another black just like nodded at me and I was like hold up what 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 and then I was like oh how oh, cool okay yeah. Then you like give the nod. Girl, I tried to give the nod in Pittsburgh at CMU like no one was nodding back. No one was nodding back. No one did not was not in in that area of Pennsylvania. Dude, I-
1: I judge a place but, by how uh, well-adjusted the Black people are, whether or not they need to nod. So I went on a work trip to Dublin, and that was one of the things I actually thought was interesting about Ireland, that just, well, not Ireland as a whole, only Dublin, was that there's such a, there's so many Africans there that they don't feel like a minority necessarily. And so I would go and try and nod and acknowledge them, and they would be like, who are you? <laughs> and I was like, oh, Okay. So I guess the situation here is a little bit different in that y'all feel comfortable enough that we don't need to band together. But then when I was in Spain, I remember seeing a woman from the other side of the plaza, Mm -hmm. the black, they always call it the black is what the the Catalan word, but whatever. There's like the city square. I saw her from the other side. We both stopped, looked at each other and ran and hugged. And we're like, where are you from? (laughs) Because it it had been a while since I've seen another black person. (laughs) That's area. So it uh, works, but it makes sense if you're yeah. and everyone's black. What are y'all nodding about? It's like, girl, what's wrong with your head? Your you eye okay? <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I think you did it right there, though. That when you're when you feel like you're a minority and you're you're a minority in a let's say mostly white space, you do end up being close and you know having that community.
1: Yeah. Just identifying based off your, your blackness alone. So. Well, I think even in college, right? Even if we weren't friends with people, we know yeah. we knew all the black people. Like yeah. if you saw a black Wellesley person in the yeah. city, you would. I mean, if you sometimes if you saw white ones, you might re- recognize. But like, because Wellesley is so small and because it is this like super tight knit community, so it's the same idea. Um, yeah. I mean, I remember yeah. names and yeah. things, even if we weren't particularly tight, and even if we weren't friends. I'd be like, oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. Person, yeah, they were. you we know.
2: Recognize each other in the brochures. On the we we know each other.
1: <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah, and then there's also that. There's so there. yeah, or like when they have reunion okay. pictures, it's like ah, look, look at all five of us. Um, yeah, and you kind of go there. Um, I guess though to kind of wrap up this lovely trip down memory lane, um, our, our 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 parting question to you is. How has your American experience affected how you define blackness and your blackness now that you're back in Zimbabwe? Oh,
2: well, I'm actually in Kenya. Which is oh, yeah, I mean, live in Nairobi.
1: Yeah, I actually <laughs> live in Nairobi. Thank you for that correction.
2: Um, oh, ask me the question again. I've forgotten. How, did, how does my- how's
1: your American, your experience in the US or 10 years in the US, how has it ex- um, affected how you define Blackness and your own blackness now that you're back mm-hmm. in Africa. Mel no, say back in Zimbabwe.
2: Oh oh another thing was that I never knew how diverse the black and we call it community was in mm-hmm. America before getting I there. I didn't know there was a lot of the like Nigerian American, Ghanaian American because you also don't see that or I didn't see it on T V. Mm-hmm. You know. So that I was really taken aback by we're not all descendants of slavery, for example, or um, there's people from the Caribbean, there's people, okay, the Caribbean I knew about, but yeah, that, that was also a big thing. It's like, even that is also very dynamic and it's not a monolith. It's not a monolith. Yeah. I don't think you always have that sense coming from the outside. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I definitely am seeing myself as more of a um, I think I think of myself and my blackness in in more more in terms of being like a global citizen, maybe more in terms of maybe because i've been I've like been living in different places. you know, I was in Joburg. I was in Zim for a bit. I was in Joburg, and then now i'm in um I'm in Nairobi, but I also have family all over, you know. Yeah, we're we're kind of I think citizens of of the world in a in a way. So there's the plurality there that wasn't there before, even to the identity of being Zimbabwean. Because I think when I was growing up, that was a lot more maybe easier to see as being more static than it is now, where we do mm-hmm. have a huge diaspora now, a, a very much a growing diaspora. You know, people who are Zimbabwean, you know, but who who identify as Zimbabwean, but who've never been to them, you know, mm. uh, yeah. children who've been born outside, you know, so that was that was really a highlight for me as well. You know, I have cousins, I was visiting, you know, I have cousins in Atlanta and they were like, oh, Bobby, you don't sound Zimbabwean. <laughs> 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 this is this is also because of like okay which Zimbabwean okay yes I have like private school accents maybe like I just have different accent to a whole bunch of your relatives right but like mm. but but it, how funny for you to be telling me what Zimbabwean <laughs> is in Atlanta you know right. like well now that they is mention is, it yeah it's just a is this, um, you know lots of, a lot of I think if there was an emoji it would be that mind blown you know emoji or just in a lot of these interactions, you know, and and instances. So, um, yeah, the world feels smaller in the sense of the connectedness of it, just because of my experience and the black experience sort of, yeah, a, a, a great plurality, but also a great, depth in there, and which is what I love about this podcast, I think, because this this voice that you are highlighting, I don't think I've heard being highlighted really much before. Um, so it's important to, to have that. Thank you. Know. you.
1: That's really, it, it makes us feel like we're on the right track and we're doing the right things. But yeah, it is um, super important. Um, and I think we kind of operate from the reference point of, like, we are not a monolith and we do want to talk about all these different strings and tangles that make up, not strings and tangles, that makes it sound negative, all these different pieces that make up the, you know, the beautiful mosaic that is being Black or being of African descent. And I know that that was my last question or that's what I said, but I actually lied because I just got another one um, that I'd like to ask you as the last question, and given that you spent all this time in the US and now you're back, I was just wondering to what extent you have been following like the racial justice protests and things like that that happened over the summer. and. You know, to what extent is that something that people where you are 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 aware of or thinking about and talking about? I think obviously in American media, they always go find, you know, the one artist or the one activist who's making those connections. But I'm wondering to the extent to which the events of this summer, particularly George Floyd's murder, is something that has affected black people outside of um, the U.S. context.
2: Yeah, well, you know, the protests, it was definitely like, oh, wow, this is is really some serious stuff. I think I found myself as someone who had spent time, such a, you know, a considerable amount of time in the States trying to maybe being asked to explain (laughs) like how Mm. this happens, why this, you know, Like, you know, I, you know, my sister's in Germany and I just found myself having to, I guess, explain a lot. Um, Of course, there have been movements, you know, there was Zimbabwean Lives Matter shortly after there was like Nigerian Lives Matter, like, you know, just be happening, just be happening um, around in a lot of places. But yeah, that was definitely you know something I was watching with the world, and it actually made me start reading *Cast* by Isabel um, Wilkerson, Wilkerson yeah. as well. And and um and I think in the few pages, because I haven't I haven't finished it, I'm not even halfway, but I find I found her articulating just a lot of what I was grappling with, but like didn't have the vocab to really articulate mm. in that, and it just it just made things make a lot of sense
1: that makes sense I haven't I read know. Cast I haven't read Warmth of it's Other Sons But my list but um, I've, from the interviews that she's given about the book I think um, uh, I agree with that I, I really appreciate her framing because it I really appreciate her framing because she you know gives us a new I, I don't know, she gives us a new framework to really understand what it is to be in America and of any race and kind of get like okay um this is why we have these systemic problems that are unique to the black community, and it has to do with right this class frame this caste framework um that I, I think other frameworks don't weren't as helpful for before, although I had i I'd had a few in grad school that to me were helpful. This one was like <gasps> oh. And I say all that and I still ain't read the book. So there you go. <laughs> um, right, I'm right, there. right, I'm getting there. I'm getting there.
2: You could see also, I think the book was really helpful because you could see how you could come in as international students and then over time, your identity kind of solidifies as something else,
0: mm-hmm. you
2: know, as people take on and don't have to take on yeah. You know, if they're not black, don't have to take on maybe some of the yeah. the sort of baggage that's associated with that. Yeah. Or, or, or then, And then also don't maybe have the, what I really consider to have been a privilege to have, like, had the friends that I had, the different friends that I had, to sift yeah. through, like, experiencing, like, what is it to be Muslim and black in America? Mm. What is it? to be Ghanaian American in America, you know, in an immigrant family, what is it to, you know, and I don't think people, yeah, that's not necessarily maybe something you can move through as much maybe when you're not actually of that race, maybe, I don't know, but yeah. that was just my experience. So, yeah. Yeah. It explained a lot,
1: yeah. Yeah, super helpful. I think I I've been thinking, or not, but I'm always thinking about how I think another reason why her framing is salient is because we look at stats for anything for the like the African American community, as in people who are descendants of slaves, and you compare them to immigrant blacks, and by I think third generation, it's the same. Yeah. Um, so whatever mm-hmm. difference uh, and I think it's another reason why we have this show right because a lot of times immigrant communities you know America is based on, America is an anti-Black place. And so when immigrants come, they want to be anything but Black. I think that that is a big, we see that with Africans. We see it with people from the Caribbean. We see it within the Latinx community. There's a lot of people who are like, I'm not Black, I'm this thing. I'm not Black, I'm that thing. And that's kind of why. But the reality on the ground is, after a few generations, your your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren will be. So there needs to be more of uh, more work to undo these things because it's going to affect you in the end if mm. if you're not motivated by the suffering of your fellow man be motivated by the suffering of like your future generations potentially um, mm. because America is a, it is what it is um, so like you know four generations from now no one's going to care that you you I think mean, we think that we are immigrants often think we are protected I think that's what it is. And that's a thing for POC as well, but especially for Black people of color or people of African descent. It's like, as long as I'm not in that category, then I'm okay. But thank you so much, Lucia, for having this frank conversation with us. I think I learned a lot. I loved living life seriously through people and being like, oh, (laughs) what would it be like? If I came from here and then came to the States and was like, whoa, what is this? So thank you for being open and for sharing and I hope you continue to enjoy life in Kenya.
0: Even even providing us some color as to some of these experiences, we we also lived ourselves but didn't have the same context, the same lens through which we were looking at it.
1: Yeah. Um, So thank
0: you for giving us the other perspective of kind of the lives we're living and how we came off to others.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Thanks, Thanks for
0: joining us. Me. Ciao.
2: Okay. Yeah.